In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Today is the first Sunday in Lent, beloved. Um, And I'm aware that many of us have interpreted or inherited ideas about this season that are bent towards gloominess, condemnation, maybe feelings of self-hatred, even toxic shame. My friend Crispin Mayfield calls this shame-filled spirituality, where we believe that the best way for us to get close to God is to condemn ourselves for falling below the standard of perfection. So it goes like this, the spirituality. We know that we can never be good enough, but we think we might be able to get close to God by punishing ourselves for not being good enough. We think that we're going to get close to God by proving to God that we know how bad we are. And so we often enter into Lent thinking that it's about being harder on ourselves to prove to God that we know. I know I'm worthless. We go into Lent maybe with a spirituality that implicitly says, the worse you feel, the better you're doing. And even worse, this kind of shame-filled spirituality has often been weaponized by leaders, by pastors, against vulnerable people to keep them in abusive and harmful situations. And so because we are learning how harmful this kind of spirituality is, and we're intentionally moving away from it, Lent can feel a little confusing. It can feel a little difficult because some of the language and the themes can trigger those old feelings of shame and self-hatred. But we have an opportunity today and in this season as we are able to reclaim Lent as good news for our bodies and for our souls, for our society and for our world. Our scripture passages today give us a picture of these Lenten themes of sin, confession, and repentance that is actually full of grace and mercy. Today we proclaim the good news that in Jesus the realm of the heavens has arrived as a gift from God a gift of God's mercy, inviting us into the life that is truly life. We learn to receive this new life through confession and repentance and prayer and fasting. So let us make straight paths for God and embrace the grace of Lent, allowing ourselves to be drawn deeper into the life that God shares with us. Our scriptures from the women's lectionary that we're using this year show us the beginning of our troubles in our Genesis reading and the end of our troubles in the Revelation reading. Show us what God will do. And our psalm reading and our gospel reading speak to us about what to do in the meantime to participate in where creation is going. Genesis 2 and 3 give us the story of how creation was plunged into ruin through the temptation and sin of the first humans grasping for the knowledge of good and evil. It's worth saying that this story has been translated and interpreted in ways that subordinate and demean women, but this reading is not warranted by the text, which instead shows us that both the man and the woman ate the forbidden fruit. The result, of course, is shame. We see this in their recognition that they are naked, and they immediately, impulsively, want to cover themselves. 
Psalm 51 represents this cry of humanity to God in the midst of the guilt and the shame of sin. Have mercy on me, Lord. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, our first song each Sunday during Lent is going to be a petition to God for mercy. But notice the expectation present in the request in Psalm 51. I know we sang the song uh, rather than reading the whole psalm, but when David prays for mercy, what he says is, have mercy on me, God, according to your faithful love. So the cry for mercy to God is not begging for a drop of goodness from an unsympathetic ruler. We're asking a compassionate and gracious God to do the very thing God delights to do. We ask for mercy from a God who is poised to pour it out upon us. Poised to pour it out. Matthew 3, we read about the ministry of John the Baptist who appeared preaching in the wilderness of Judea, calling everyone to repent. Prepare the way of the Holy One by confessing your sins. Make straight paths for God by changing your life. And again, maybe this call to confess your sins, to repent, brings up those old feelings of a shame-filled spirituality. But beloved, just like Psalm 51, notice the call to repent is given in the context of the best news. The realm of the heavens has come near. That's why we repent. The realm of the heavens has come near. God's empire is on its way. And this is absolutely fantastic news for this planet. Repentance and simply adjusting our lives to the new reality. Turning away from that which brings destruction and towards that which brings flourishing for all. Because the realm of the heavens is on its way, the world is going to be transformed. Which is, of course, what we read in Revelation 22. Spoiler alert. Transformation is not just possible. It is inevitable. It is assured. Because of what God has done in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, the realm of the heavens cannot be stopped. The curse will be lifted. The nations will be healed. The night will be over. Water of life will be given as a gift for all. Today we proclaim... The good news that in Jesus, the realm of the heavens has arrived as a gift of God's mercy, inviting us into the life that is truly life. We learn to receive this life through confession and repentance and prayer and fasting. So let us make straight paths for God and embrace the grace of Lent, allowing ourselves to be drawn more deeply into the life that God shares with us. A couple words about what it means to repent, then we'll respond together. Our gospel text, I think, gives us some clues about what it means to repent. Sometimes we think of it as in individual terms. I'm going to think of some bad things I did and tell God I'm sorry about them. That's okay to do. It's better than not telling God about those things. That's fine. But repentance is a little bit of a deeper thing, especially when we look at the context here of the ministry of John the Baptist. John baptizes in the wilderness, which is away from the temple, away from the centers of political and religious power. This is an overt critique of a system that had become corrupt and was hurting people. John wears the uniform of Elijah, Israel's preeminent prophet, and he eats a minimal subsistence diet, which is a critique of the extravagance and the indulgence of the elite. John is baptizing in the Jordan River, where Israel crossed into the promised land thus declaring their current way of life just as oppressive as Egypt. 
And he's reenacting a kind of exodus, liberation from oppressed, from oppressive and uh, political and religious leadership. So when John calls people to repent in the wilderness, he's seeing a world system that is in dire trouble, where the elite structure life in such a way so that they benefit at the expense of everyone else, and God's prophet proclaims this to be not good, not of God. And what's more, John announces the saving presence of God has actually drawn near, which constitutes a rival empire to this world system that is being indicted. A rival empire. God has arrived to set up God's own empire that asserts God's claim and reign over human existence. A new world order has arrived where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Those in bondage are liberated. Those suffering under oppressive laws are protected. Those who are pushed to the margins are cared for. And so to say yes to this call to repent for a normal Israelite is to accept the verdict that the present world order is sinful and that I participate in the sins of my people. I keep this thing running with my participation. And then to repent which is to abandon a way of life that either actively perpetuates or passively cooperates with systems of injustice and moves in God's direction. So Lent, then, is not about shoring up our personal piety. It's not about punishing ourselves. It's not about proving to God that we know how bad we are. Lent is a time to tell the truth about ourselves and about the world, to get in touch with our own brokenness, and the brokenness of the world, to embrace the cleansing fire of God's love, to burn away everything in us that opposes God's desire for all to flourish. It's getting rid of a few layers of the padding we've built up to insulate us from the awareness of God's presence and word in our lives. It's paying attention to the ways that we've held God at arm's length and maybe just unlocking our elbow a little and allowing God to come a little closer and see what God would say to us, allowing God to draw us deeper into solidarity with those who suffer. Dallas Willard once said that Jesus didn't die on the cross so we wouldn't have to. He died on the cross so that we could join him there. And surprisingly, what we discover as we walk the way of the cross is that we find it none other than the way of life and peace. So today, church, we proclaim the good news that Jesus, in Jesus, the realm of the heavens has arrived as a gift of God's mercy, inviting us into the life that is truly life. We learn to receive this new life through confession and repentance and prayer and fasting. So let us make straight paths for God and embrace the grace of Lent, allowing ourselves to be drawn deeper into the life that God shares with us. So how can we respond to this good news? A couple things. One is that I would encourage you to embrace a discipline of prayer, fasting, and an old-fashioned word called almsgiving. We wrote a pastoral letter uh, in the email this week that went out. It's also on our website. Uh, this has a few ideas for you, if you'd like, um, a few ideas on that. The, the reason that we embrace disciplines like this is that it's a way to come into closer contact, closer, uh, greater awareness of our own brokenness, the brokenness of the world, but also the presence of God there. And so we learn to face that reality during Lent. So I'd encourage you to embrace some kind of discipline of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. 
The second thing I will say is I would encourage you to come to church and worship. Yeah, I know. The priest is telling you to come to church. I get it. But our liturgy each week is an act of resistance against the power of mammon that tells us it's a waste of time and money. We tell the truth about our brokenness in our liturgy, our own and the world's. We hear again and respond to the good news of the gospel. We receive the grace of God through the body and blood of Jesus. It transforms us as we give ourselves over to it. Our liturgy is designed a little bit differently during Lent to help us embrace this grace of this season that we receive through confession and repentance. And so I would encourage you to avail yourself of this time of worship each Sunday. Now, I I do know that this is not easy for some of you. Um, I get that. The words and actions of worship can trigger associations with shame-filled spirituality, self-hatred, toxic shame. I, I do get that. For example, um, one of the prayers that we've added to the liturgy is the prayer of humble access, which I mentioned earlier. But there's a line in there where we declare ourselves not worthy to so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. And unworthiness perhaps feels to us the same as worthlessness. And the shame comes up. But I want to, and I totally get it, if it's a prayer that's too difficult to pray. You can let the rest of us pray the prayer. That's okay. Sometimes you're carried along by the liturgy, by others. That's fine. But to say that we are not worthy is not to say that we are worth less. It is simply to say that we've not earned our way into God's good graces through our status, our good works, our right doctrine, or our sufficiently bad feelings. Salvation is ours because of God's mercy, not because of our merit. And we come to the table of Jesus, not to claim what's ours by right, but to receive a gift. So let us joyfully proclaim ourselves, if you're able to, joyfully proclaim ourselves not worthy today, because in doing so, we're reveling in the mercy of God, who gives us all good things as a gift. Let's learn this Lent together to reclaim repentance as a practice of joy and grace. Let's setting aside any leftover self-hatred and toxic shame. So those are some ways we can respond together to this good news as a church. And now, let's respond to the good news simply by being silent together and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us about how God is calling us into confession and repentance this Lent. Beloved, today we proclaim the good news that in Jesus the realm of the heavens has arrived as a gift of God's mercy, inviting us into the life that is truly life. We learn to receive this life through confession and repentance and prayer and fasting, so let us make straight paths for God and embrace the grace of Lent, allowing ourselves to be drawn deeper into the life God shares with us. Let's be quiet together.